All right, and because three's a crowd, I'm here today with <laughs> I feel like here, Trisha's still here. Oh my god, really? Yeah. Sick well, she probably left now. Oh, I guess it is only six, huh? It is well six fifteen. Wow. We we do that fast. Good for us. I know. Well, that's efficiency. We're efficient. Sign on a window says lonely. Sign on a door said no company allowed Sign on a street says you don't own me Sign on a port says three's a crowd Sign on a port says three's a crowd All right, and because three is a crowd, I am here today, as usual, with my friend, Kelly. Hi. How's it going? I'm your friend. Sure. Yay. We are here today in an undisclosed office building. Undisclosed. In an undisclosed major city, the only one, in an undisclosed state that begins with an O on an undisclosed coast. Are we also in an undisclosed time? No, <laughs> I guess you. not. Because if you can, if you can um, determine when Triplicate came out, oh, yeah. you will know that we came out a week later. That's so right. we won't tell you when Triplicate came out, but you can probably look that up. So we are here today, special episode, the first of hopefully many, many, many. Uh, Bob Dylan released a new record, three album collection of American standards. So not a new record per se from him, but uh, new recordings of of pretty fantastic music. Uh, and then Bob singing over it. And we're here to talk about that. Sometimes I wonder why I spend my lonely nights dreaming of a song. The melody haunts my reverie and I'm once again Kiss and inspiration. Ah, but that was long ago. And now my consolation is in the stardust of a song. Besides. All right, so Kelly, so we spent a, a week with Triplicate, which was our triple zero uh, from last week. Yeah, where you psyched me out. Psyched you out. Jerk. So we are here today to talk about that. So, Kelly, just overview. How did you feel? How, I mean, this is your second Bob Dylan record you've ever heard. Walk us through it. I really liked it a lot. I mean, this is music that I would listen to anyway, that I have listened yeah, to anyway by multiple different singers. And it was fun. I actually didn't know the majority of the songs, which I was expecting when you told me about it, what it was, that it was just three discs of American standards. I thought I would know a lot more of them. And I guess I kind of did. I had heard them, but I wouldn't be able to pick them out, uh, except for like three or four of them. Um, that Sinatra I've heard do, I've heard Ella Fitzgerald do, I've heard Billie Holiday do, and I really like those a lot. But I like the whole the whole thing. I listen to it over and over. This is I listen to this more. I play listen to more plays of this than I did anything else we've done, because it's just music I would normally listen to, and that was nice. And it is nice that it's a whole record and it's thirty songs and mm-hmm. it's an hour and a half. 
of kind of the same vibe over and over again, which is nice. You know, I mean, my feeling with it is, I think with a lot of Dylan fans, you're immediately just kind of like, okay, it's a little puzzling. You're trying to piece it together in the whole discography. It's fine. Not really my style of music. It never was. I was not a big fan of Shadows in the Night from 2014. Uh, 2015, I was not a big fan of, um, of Fallen Angels in 2016. I just don't particularly care. So he did two Sinatra records? He did two Sinatra records. Wow. And then this. And then this. Wow. Yeah. So his ability to have deep cuts and things that you've never heard is is, is great. And um, I mean, I think I vaguely have heard Stardust somewhere before September of my years. I know from, from St. Frank Sinatra. The rest of them, I can almost guarantee that I've heard in some way, somewhere, but I can't, I can't place them. Um, and we in the in the build up to triplicate, knowing the set list and how the three records are sort of um, you know thematically linked to one another, we went back and I, I mean I listened to Billy Holiday covering a bunch of these, Sinatra covering a bunch of them, jazz musicians from Coltrane on down doing renditions of this stuff. I understand the mood that you would be in to enjoy a record like this. I'm never in that mood. <laughs> what what mood would you say that is? I don't know, just where you just want to relax and just chill, maybe drift away a little bit. I think that the, the, the lyrics, I mean, going into them, they're not they're not shallow. It's not like a, these aren't like bubblegum pop songs. Um, they're lovely. They really are. The lyrics are wonderful. They're thoughtful. They're emotive. Um, but for me, I guess when you come to it from a Bob Dylan angle, I just want to listen to Bob Dylan and... I like what Bob Dylan has to say over, over you know, stuff from the 1920s and 30s where sometimes it can feel a bit obtuse and I can't really connect to it fully. Yeah, the I, I can understand that if you're trying to hear more of the person that you love, that you've listened to their entire life through music and now it's, you know, they're, listening, they're singing someone else's songs. and the, I mean, even if he relates to them, which you said the September of my years... Your years, September of my years, September of my years. Like he, you said that he mentioned that he was, he felt an attachment to that. One day you turn around and it's summer. Next day you turn around and it's fall. And the springs and the winters of a lifetime. Whatever happened to them all As a man Who has always had The wandering ways Now I'm reaching All right, and before we start talking about the record, I think it would be instructive to kind of get into the mind of one Robert Zimmerman. If that's uh, even possible. So, yeah. So you knew about this this record. Uh, it's been telegraphed ever since we've been doing this, um, this podcast. There's references to it going back even a couple of episodes. So this was something that you were ready for. This was something... Obviously, these songs are not under lock and key. They're not things that weren't heard before. The whole nature of this is old American standards. But what was fascinating, and something that you wouldn't even think to look up, but on BobDylan.com, there was an pretty incredible interview with somebody named Bill Flanagan 
who we're not convinced is a real person. We we are. I I've just we I have not looked him up ever. He's an alter ego. <laughs> well, he Bob records Dylan's. under uh, the producer of these records is Jack Frost, right? Who is Bob Dylan? So maybe maybe Bill Flanagan is just a fraud. Who who knows? Sorry, Bill Flanagan, out there uh, li- listening clearly to this podcast. Um. Anyways, the the interview is incredible. But what I want to do before we even sort of delve into that and talk about the songs is that I've given Kelly a list of five questions that I just want her to read, and I'm going to respond as Bob Dylan responded. And we're going to try to suss out something that's going on here. Um, So, Kelly, if you want to read question number one. I'm Bill Flanagan. Hear me, Roy. (laughs) Question one. Each disc is 32 minutes long. You could have put it all on two CDs. Is there something about the 10-song, 32-minute length that appeals to you? Sure. It's a number of completion. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's a lucky number, and it's symbolic of light. As far as 32 minutes, that's about the limit to the number of minutes. You didn't tell me you were going to do a voice. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's incredible. As far as 32 minutes, that's about the limit to the number of minutes on a long playing record where the sound is most powerful. 15 minutes to a side. My records were always overloaded on both sides. Too many minutes to be recorded or mastered properly. My songs were too long and didn't fit the audio format of an LP. The sound was thin and you would have to turn your record up to 9 or 10 to hear it well. So these CDs, to me, represent the LPs that I should have been making. Am I... Am I allowed to ask you follow-up questions, yeah, Bob sure, Dylan, even though I'm not? Yeah, you can. <laughs> oh, God. Every time you do that. So what? So when he says uh, these are rep- indicative of like the, or these are the records I should have been making, does he mean in the content or just literally in the recording capacity? I, I think more in the recording capacity, but I also think you could just make it the content. Like he's, he doesn't disown the stuff that he's doing. And he doesn't like say that like his 60s experience was nonsense and it was a fake or anything like that. But he recognizes that he is a different person of a different generation just right there eking in. Mm. And uh, so he can sort of connect to this time. But yeah, I I don't I don't know. I think he just thought I mean, he had one song that took up an entire side. Holy shit. Yeah. For Blonde on Blonde, Saturday Lady of the Lowlands, his final song took up an entire side. Wow. Of an LP, so it's like, yeah, I think he would he would think that he could cut it down to something like uh, John Wesley Harding, which you could fit the whole thing on one side. I mean, it was a thirty minute record, you know, compared to something super bloated like Blonde on Blonde. I mean, they're one record apart, but one is thirty minutes, the other is an hour and twenty, you know. So it's just a different. So I think he maybe would have always thought that he could have been shorter, but hmm. that was not where he went. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll be Bill again. Yeah, Bill. Back to Bill. Are you concerned about what Bob Dylan's fan Bob Dylan fans think about these standards? These songs are meant for the man on the street, the common man, the everyday person. Maybe that is a Bob Dylan fan. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't think you really answered the question, Bob. Next question. Uh, okay. What does a drummer coming into your band need to know? What should he avoid? Um, I'm sorry. This is not Bill talking anymore. He? What should he avoid? Is that a little sexist? Are we oh, just assuming that it's not going to be a lady drummer? Lady drummer. Just saying. No one comes into my band. <laughs> Batman. Oh, Batman Dylan. I like the drummer I have now. He's one of the best around. But if you ever left me for some reason, 
I'd like to join the Rolling Stones or something. I'd have to replace him. God. Okay. Uh, that's the only way that Bob Dylan would ever need another drummer is if his drummer left to be in the Rolling Stones. Or something. Or something. The first two discs are fun, but it's on the third disc that you really get into the heart-bearing stuff and your best singing. Why save the best for last? It seems that way because it's a human story that builds to a, con- builds to a climax, and it's personal for men to end. You start out wondering why you bought those blue pajamas, and later you're wondering why you were born. You go from foolishly absurd to the deadly serious, and you've passed through the gaudy and the nasty along the way. You get to the edge, and you've played out. You get to the edge, and you're played out, and you wonder, where's the good news? Isn't there supposed to be good news? Wow. Ridiculous voice aside, I think that's pretty... It's pretty thoughtful. Well, I mean, if he—if that's how he really feels about these songs, then it suddenly feels much more personal. Yeah, not only that, but also, like, well, he, he refers to them earlier when he's talking about the songs and why he enjoys them so much. I mean, he says, you know, there's enough of my personality written to the lyrics hmm. that he was able to sort of pull it off. Uh, it was really just melodies and arrangements for him. But he also referred to these songs as non-materialistic. And I like that. It's, I mean, obviously, it's hearkening back to something different and... You know, you think about pop music today, you think of, I mean, we just had Pepsi trying to, you know, sell out, you know, protest movements in this country. It's like we still have, you know, the corporatization of music. These are songs that obviously 80 years on, you can say with pretty good authority, these are not corporate songs. These are not selling some corporate, corporatized message. These are pretty hard scrabble. Even, I mean, even from somebody who didn't really enjoy it. You listen to the words in any any one of these songs, and they're they're good. It's well, they're well written. They're from a different time. I mean, it's like stepping into the past. Um, and and during this interview, I mean, Bob constantly sort of comes at. So it's, yeah, I mean, just to quote him one more time, he says they take you out of that mainstream grind where you're trapped between differences which might seem different but are essentially the same. Modern music and songs are so institutionalized that you don't realize it. These songs are cold and clear sighted. There's a direct realism in them, faith in ordinary life, just like in early rock and roll. All right, we have one more question from Bill, uh, well, and then we'll let this go. As me, this is not a fucking question, but here we go, as Bill. Some people would call triplicate nostalgic. Nostalgic? <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. It's not taking a trip down memory lane, or longing and yearning for the good old days, or fond memories of what's no more. A song like Sentimental Journey is not a way back when song it doesn't emulate the past it's attainable and down to earth it's in the here and now thanks bob thank you (laughs) i just love i gotta i gotta go oh i've got touring to do away with you bob dylan the tour never stops (laughs) and come morning i am disappearing just an imprint on the bed sheets I'm by the roadside with my thumb out a car pulls up a boat's driving and so I climb in we don't say a word as we pull off into the sunrise Tarmac. 
Yeah. I also like that because, I mean, one of the things that for me, I got kind of tripped up on that too. And I think I've been thinking about that ever since um, Shadow in the Night came out because, or Shadows in the Night, is this idea of nostalgic, this idea of like hearkening back to some era in the 40s and 50s that is better. I mean, we are dealing with that in America right now where we are pretending that there is something about that era that is supposedly better, supposedly more unique or pure or some bullshit like that and uh and this was written just like the the western canon was created for us by people in power that want to keep people in line the themes were decided beforehand in a theatrical sense grand themes each of them incidental to survivors and lovers or better yet wisdom and vengeance or maybe even exile one disc foreshadowing the next, and I didn't want to give any one song preeminence over any other. No old wives' tales or memoirs, but just plain, hard, earthly life. The hidden realities of it. That's my perception. Hmm. Fascinating. And I think I, I like the last part of it. Just plain, hard, earthly lives is interesting because I think that that encapsulates it more. I don't think that it's... It's obviously one thing leading to the next the same way that you're born, you live, and you die. But it's hard to just pretend that these three don't intersect as life does all over itself. I really like these albums or this album. I don't know. I feel like I would take it personally as one thing. I don't really consider I guess even the way we listen to music now, which I want to get into a little bit more, period. But it doesn't feel like three separate things to me. I just feel like they are so similar and they're taken from the same general time period of music, maybe more like not so stringently certain decades or, or certain arrangements or whatever, but just that feeling of just the, the first half of the last century. I mean, they all feel very much from that time. And I just, I don't know. I'm really surprised to hear. I mean, maybe not surprised. I don't know if I'm really surprised about anything Bob Dylan does or says or thinks after, especially after watching that movie last week. Oh my God. Yeah. Not only that, but also we've, this is like another side of Bob Dylan. We have seen, you know, the, the sixties, the mod Bob Dylan, we've seen the the folk singing Bob Dylan, we've seen everything in between. And now we get this crooner Bob Dylan, which is where we're at right now. You know, I think it's just like electro synth pop Bob Dylan like that. And maybe the Christian Bob Dylan. Those are the only two that we haven't really gotten to play with yet. Mm. And it's fascinating. Like you said, you just we're only seven episodes in. And we've already seen so many different sides of this man, which is crazy. Yeah, I didn't see the crooner. Well, I think you had mentioned that. He'd done a couple of Frank Sinatra cover albums. Yeah. But I didn't see Crooner Bob Dylan coming, which is, I like it a lot. I like this album, these albums uh, a well, lot. Well, you love that style of music. I do. I mean, right? you like dig in to that, the history of that. Yeah. And I had to look back in my own life to get back to here. I don't know how to get back to the 30s. That's a tough one. You know, the, some have some have transcended the Woody Guthrie's have hit me. The folk stuff, I think I can, I can latch on to a little bit more, but... You like jazz and all kinds of stuff. So I, I was interested in just like what for somebody who listens to that kind of stuff a lot, what was what's going on? Like you've listened to so many more covers of these songs. Like you've said, you've recognized some of these songs. What is the what is it like to be arranged in 2017 versus 
Billie Holiday doing this versus John Coltrane doing it versus obviously Sinatra is going to be like right. the, the main post with which, you know, I think every one of these except one was recorded by Sinatra. Mm. So yeah, I believe that. Yeah. So um, like what just educate me. Cause I don't think I know enough. Well, let's take a little trip, shall we? <laughs> through the history of music. But other than just having a fondness for the music from the 20s uh, through the 50s, I would say that kind of set, although they are, they do vary a lot. We went from ragtime to crazy uh, improv- improvisational jazz that I don't really get down on. But uh, so we started in the 1880s, is really where music as we know it today kind of appeared. Scott Joplin, uh, Maple Leaf Rag was one of the biggest, you know, ice cream truck music. Scott Joplin, you're welcome. We gotta get, cut him a check. Yeah, so. I got some copyright Also, I was gonna say, also he's super dead, but I'm sure whomever owns. I love the idea of like a tax collector coming up to a little child and just being like, I'm gonna need an extra 20 cents on your ice cream, Timmy. We gotta pay Scott's family. They're begging in the street, Timmy. Because oh you, you don't pay up. <laughs> the uh, uh, RIAA coming after little Timmy with his ice cream on now. So that we have, we have ragtime music, right? That's what all that is. And that's pretty much it until we get... Um, Music recording in the early 1900s with the, uh, I'm going to say gramophone again, and that's not the right thing, phonograph, which are cylinders, wax cylinders that music's recorded onto. And that's like the first way we actually record music. Up before that, with the ragtime stuff, the only way you could hear music is if you played it yourself. So the instead of a recording industry, we had a sheet music industry, right? Right. So if you, you either needed to learn how to play an instrument so you could hear music in your home or you were shit out of luck. And then when we have... The phonograph now people can actually hear music without going to you know it's really poor people that miss out i mean still like today that you know they can't afford to go to these concerts they can't go see these performances so now we have the phonograph and oh, okay well some people have phonographs they can hear those wax tube recordings that, that are really shitty but ooh, we should play that um thing from yeah. the uh thai recording from the 1900s on a phonograph 1900 yeah 1900 yeah. sorry yeah hit it Thai musicians that were visiting Berlin who happened to have a photograph or recording capability. Fascinating. Yeah, Yeah, that's static. 117 years ago. Yeah. Thanks, Wikipedia. And now we get Bob going. (laughs) Yeah. So in the 1900s, that's what we have is phonographs as far as recording technology, right? We go from player pianos pianos which like westworld is, yeah like westworld which is amazing we love westworld yes uh to phonograph and then eventually obviously we get um lps and radio technology radio technology in the 20s is actually really what gets music into people's homes before that uh most people didn't have phonographs but there might be a radio maybe not even in everybody's home but in the town i remember watching boardwalk empire and they were yeah. listening to the fight on the that's right on the radio and it was like a big deal there's like 20 people crowded around yeah. this little well not little gigantic radio yeah that's um, true that's fair so that's really what opened it up so that's how we were listening to music but how we people were producing music was another story it's 
we in you in no direction home uh yeah they talk about it there too but it was the the artist was almost insignificant it was the people writing the music and the lyrics the people arranging the songs that really were doing the work of it because everyone had an orchestra we have glenn miller in his orchestra kid ori in his orchestra fucking king oliver in his orchestra right kid like, rock in his orchestra kid rock in his orchestra <laughs> so we have everybody's recording these their versions of these songs and that's what these great american classics are so bob dylan's I think this album's great because it it could be Sinatra in the 50s. This album could plug right in. Sure, the recording, it, the sound is cleaner because mm, the recording technology is much better. But it, there's no difference. I, his croonery voice, like, it makes me think of Tony Bennett for some reason, which doesn't really, I don't know why. Maybe you're just like, oh, older white guy, you're just softly singing me a song. That's nice. Uh, but it, I think it fits perfectly. And I, I could put this on a rotation with listening to any of this stuff. Throw it in with Dean Martin, throw it in with Frank Sinatra, or Blossom Deary, who's like my favorite um, recording of that time period. And I think it sounds perfect. And that's why I like it a lot, because I'm totally into that stuff. Day in, day out. Same old hoodoo follows me about. Same old poly in my heart whenever I think of you. And darling, I think of you day in and day out. Day out. Yeah, I'm into it too. Like, I mean, into it in that sense where it's very interesting, almost just for Bob Dylan to be Bob Dylan and say, "I'm going to be a part of this songbook now." Because you go on, it just I mean, for us, I'm 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 going on Wikipedia. I'm looking up who who was writing it, who was doing the music, who has been you know sort of covering it over all these years. And the names with which Bob Dylan is not already, I mean, Bob Dylan is a singular force, but to have him on the same list with all these songs as a Billy Holiday and a Frank Sinatra and a Coltrane. Fitzgerald and, yeah. and Louis Armstrong. And, yeah. Right. It's fascinating that you, yeah, he fits right in. I mean, there's no, there is no doubt about it. I kind of got the feeling while we were watching No Direction at Home that he feel Bob Dylan feels like he was born in the wrong time. And maybe that's why he can't get back home, right? There's no direction there. I think this is kind of that. I think he even says something like that, where he kind of really enjoyed that whole thing. Like he wanted to be part of that in a way, not the folk scene so much, but but Frank Sinatra, but the like Rat Packy kind of. Well, thing. Well, but he also loved like Little Richard, who is not in the interview. It's also interesting because they talk about like lyrics that were glad that were written, but you would never have done. And he's very clear about what rock and roll is, who he was then, and why this music was something he could never write he would never be able to create this type of music he would never be able to write this type of music and they bring up stuff like uh like honest with me is a great that was our first episode right yeah. but even that type of of music like there are a couple songs on love and theft by and by i'm breathing a lover's sigh while i'm sitting on my watch so I can be on time I'm singing love's praises With sugar-coated rhyme By and by On you I'm casting my eye I'm painting the town Swinging my pot I mean, I would say that that's closer drawn to this type of stuff than others. Like, I think that he's definitely channeling that sort of music, but he's channeling it through a blues and a rock and roll vibe. But I think he lets that sort of stuff kind of 
fall to the wayside on this stuff. Like one of the like the Rolling Stone review um, talked about the best is yet to come, which I think is one of the best songs on this on this entire compilation, this entire album. Mm-hmm. Uh, they called it quote almost blues, and I think for me, I can pick all those songs out. You know, all of those songs that are almost blues, I'm into. Out of the tree of life, I just pick me a plum. You came along and everything was starting to hum. Still, it's a real good bet, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come and baby Not my style of music. Just yeah. not my style of music. But I but Bob Dylan is my style of musician and and I wanna give it a fair shake and I feel like you know I've listened to it, you know, five times in total now. And I like it more every time. But it's not something that I'm ever gonna come back to. In a way that like I'm just gonna pop it on right I mean I might do it clean in my, my kitchen, you know, vacuuming my rug, but that rug's getting vacuumed in like four seconds. I can't even get through. I can't even get through. I guess I'll have to change my plans. So, yeah, the the best is yet to come is definitely a Sinatra song in my head. Um, like it I mean, it's on his like, tombstone. I mean, that's a that's a the Sinatra song. I mean, there's so many the Sinatra songs. Right. This is the last one he ever sang live. It's right. on his tombstone. Yeah, uh-huh. best is yet to come. I mean, it's a lovely sentiment too. You know, it, it's it's hit or miss. I mean, I think there's about two or three good songs on everything. Um, I don't think the sampler that Spotify gives, I haven't even compared. I never even looked at it because I just, we just, you know, bought it and listened to it. So I wonder what they chose because if they chose my five or six and created a, like a 10 record, uh, for this, I, I think, I think the 10 songs that I like, I would listen to that again. What are your songs? Just saying. My songs are, I guess I'll have to change my plan. September of my years. Uh, and I could have told you, uh, PS, I love you. The best is yet to come, which I think is just great. Day in and day out, or day in day out, start and stardust. Hmm. Yeah, and stardust. What were yours? Um, I put stormy weather. Oh well, stormy weather was gorgeous. It's his, his version's fine. I listening to Billie Holiday sing that song. It's a different song. Oh, like okay. you really get in it. It's a. It's. I don't know. It's her voice. It just—it's a sad song. It's and when he said when I was listening to Bob Dylan sing it, it didn't sound so sad, but like it's a pretty soul-crushing song when you hear her sing it. I don't know. It's some Billie Holiday. She just walk in the sun once more. Can't go on. Everything I had is gone. Stormy weather. Since my man and I ain't together, keeps raining all the time. Keeps raining all the time. She has that thing, man. She has that thing. Um, I put the best as yet to come because it's great. And what I want to talk about that. Oh, also, when the world was young and you go to my head. Um, so you said that whatever you were reading 
said it was bluesy like it was practically oh blues? yeah the rolling stone piece yeah. oh whatever roll the the rolling stone that little publication no, i said the rolling stone piece oh, sorry i was Oh yeah, no, no. I'm oh, sorry. That was that was me making a bad joke about like uh, what little well, from the Rolling Stone. Some Bill Flanagan nonsense. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you mean the actual publication, the Rolling Stone, that's been around for years and years. Okay, yes. What did they have to say? <laughs> no, from Rolling Stone, uh, or the Rolling Stones. They let me know that it was almost blues rock. No. The Rolling Stones, that, who are stealing, pilfering Bob Dylan's drummers. They are. Uh, yes, and uh, no. So. Yes and no. Yes, also no. Yeah, almost blues. That's what um, Rolling Stone described. I think in particular, the best is yet to come. It's the blues thing is just kind of throwing me because when I hear that song specifically, I don't hear blue in feeling or blue in music at all. I hear a big band, I hear swing, but I don't hear blues. And that's, I mean, you can make the argument that so much music is built off of blues, and I'm sure it correlates. Well, but. if you listen to our last episode, we <laughs> talked at length, and we will continue to right. And maybe and maybe this is uh, something looking at it from 70 years later type of thing where blues becomes so watered down that even like a slight tonal shift, a slight uptick in a type of music, like the, the beat, if you will, mm-hmm. from the last song before it and the one maybe coming after is going to be significantly different. Yeah. And so that alone makes it more, quote unquote, bluesy. The type of chords, the type of melody, the yeah, type that- of... Probably instrumentation it. this band that's been a- around for i mean this was the band that recorded love and theft this is the band that's been with him for for the most part for the last 17 18 years uh, on the road they just like have a bassoonist <laughs> well th- those show up okay yeah those, those are random there's just a guy playing a bass clarinet well but i love that right i mean when we have like yeah the, those things show up they're fascinating yeah. because they're not in every song. I think uh, Bob Dylan's 2009 record, um, Together Through Life, I think the major knock on that for people is that they got Los Lobos, um, who are like oh. a sort of, yeah, like a rock band, yeah, yeah. a little bit fan. Yeah, they got them in and they were playing the um, accordion. accordion or some version of it. I mean, I don't know every musical instrument on the on earth, but that thing was fascinating to have. And I think we... As we get further away from it, I think we'll look back on it a little more fondly. But at the time, every song had it, and it felt kind of overwhelming. Oh, okay. And I don't think that this had that problem. If you ever go to Houston, better walk right. Keep your hands in your pocket. And your gun belt tight. I don't think that it was like bassoonist in. <laughs> fucking cello player in. You know, saxophone. Get in every song. I think Bob, not to say that he didn't have things under control in 2009 versus 2017, but I, I think that the aesthetic is a little bit different. And I think there was a lot of care that went into all of these songs. I think you oh. can hear that. Yeah, I mean, for the songs that he's doing, you have to have those things. That it makes I sense think so. To have this this band. It's just interesting. I, I wonder how many people he brought in versus how many people. I'm just fascinated by musical talent. Like, well, I, and I told you earlier that he played it live, too. You were you were oh, fascinating. Yeah. yeah. I actually didn't know. It's something I don't even think about today mm-hmm. with, with the way music is Because everything's made. mixed and overdubbed and nobody just plays a song live. Nobody just then, podcasts okay, live anymore. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Every podcast we do is live. We wait for every musical interlude. Just for you, the fans out there, that's true. this is live. Okay. The music that's going to happen Everything. and has happened 
We're, Bob is here. No, I mean, either. you heard him earlier. He's playing it live. <laughs> oh, my God. You're Bob Batman. Uh, what I guess Bad. what I was trying to talk about was amazing. The the blues thing, he's so connected to these, the lyrics, it seems, more than anything else, because this is the, the everyman struggle. This is the hard realities of day-to-day living. I don't, these songs, to me, every time I listen to this style of music, regardless if it's Bob Dylan singing or Frank Sinatra or Blossom Deary or whoever the fuck, none of them are ever sad to me. Even the ones that are sad, I mean, like I said, Billie Holiday can, can get you there, but I always just like... When I hear this style of music, I imagine myself in New York City, where I've never been, just staring up at things, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, so excited, or I'm about to go out to a fancy dinner. Like, those are the, the only things I imagine, so I'm like, why? Well, I'm not going to pretend that I don't as well, because when you hear that, I think I'm in Boardwalk Empire, and I'm right? just walking down, yeah, and me I mean, and Lucky the- are just hanging out. Come on now. Don't be a Javoni. <laughs> but that's why it, it takes a deeper dive into it, to like do the lyrics and stuff because somebody like Billie Holiday is very unique in that ability to sort of wrench your soul. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Sinatra, you know, some people probably, again, it's all subjective. I mean, Sinatra can probably do that to some people. He does not do that to me at yeah, all. Yeah, me either. Yeah. He's fascinating. He sounds great. Yeah. He's like Dean Martin. I mean, I just think like I'm walking in the wasteland and fallout. Right. I, I mean, mean, I mean, I mean, that's, that's, I, I mean, how did it take us 39 minutes to get a, get to fallout? Right. How lucky can one guy be? I kissed her and she kissed me. Like the fella once said, ain't that a kick in the head? The room was huh. This is Three Dog. Oh, Galaxy News Radio. <laughs> News from the Wasteland. News from the Wasteland. Or the one in uh, New Vegas. Well, New Vegas was the one that had all the fun. The Dean Martin and the yeah. stuff. And what was yeah. that called? Oh, dude, I don't know. No idea. Listen to you. Like, you didn't play a fuck ton of... I play that game so much. I think I beat it, like, every way you could beat it. Haven't... Okay. Just play the inky spots. Or I the ink spots. I don't want to set the world, world on fire. <laughs> the inky spots. The ink spots. The Sorry. ink spots, okay. Yeah. That's better. See, and that's, like, a whole other thing, too, that was happening this time, which doesn't sound really like this. Uh, where it's these like f- groups of four people that are just kind of singing. It's more of a pop group than it is this situation. So like an acapella with music. Yes, if you want. <laughs> a barbershop quartet. <laughs> but with music, yes. Yeah. Oh, I guess they don't have music. Yeah. Maybe the sound of like a razor. They had music. What are you talking about? There's music? Uh, all right. What are you- okay, this is the, the sounds of the barbershop brought to you by Daniel. <laughs> brought to you by Supercuts. You can't just say Supercuts like we have any kind of affiliation with Supercuts. If you go to Supercuts.com. Oh, my God. Use the promo code. Oh, my God. We're not a real podcast, and that's not a real thing. Stop it. Let's, like, okay. oh, we should just talk about Stamps.com, or maybe Casper Mattresses, or do you want to talk about MeUndies, or do you want to talk about, what's the other one? Oh, fucking Purple what Carrot or Blue are. Apron? Or? I don't know what any of those are. I skip over ads. Have you listened to a podcast before in your life? I don't know what podcasts are. You just put a mic in front of my face. Um, okay. All right. So let's wind this down a little bit. So any any final thoughts? I know we're kind of all over the place, but what what else just strikes you with Triplicate? I, I, I wonder what his relationship is with, with the place that he grew up, and I wonder how much of these last couple of years making these albums 
has made him sort of like think back on that. And obviously you can sort of romanticize anything. And we've talked about Bob Dylan thinking about that iteration 14 back. That was the good one, the real one, when really it was the iteration maybe 16 back that you can't even see anymore. And this idea of Bob Dylan on this continuum. I don't think Bob Dylan's ever dropped off of it. This is a phase of Bob Dylan. This is a mask of Bob Dylan. And I think we we can all get really lulled into this crooner period. But Bob can turn right around and give us another love and theft. He can give us another modern times. And I can't wait for it. I can't wait for it. And I, I'm fascinated by it. And even just to go back to what I was sort of getting at, what is it like to think about where you came from growing older? It's weirder. I'm about to go to Virginia, which I haven't been to in two years. I still love the state. I love it. But I love it in one week increments every two years. I don't think I could still live there. But I sometimes think about what it would be like to be there. What it would be like to still be. Like what what part of me is still from Virginia? I guess that's maybe more of my question. And I wonder what Bob would say to that. What part of Hibbing? What part of Duluth? What part of Minnesota is still with him? What was always with him? What was not with him? If I had wings Like an oyster Fly the river To the one I love Where they will Honey, feather And I think these songs are mythical. These songs are from another world. And it's almost like, for me, listening to an alien singing a bunch of music to me, which is fine. That's why Fallout fits perfectly. Fallout fits perfectly. Yeah. And you could see this in, in the nuclear apocalypse. Which, uh, just to finish off, I know I said last uh, final uh, quote, but I will quote Bob Dylan one more time. He does say when he talks about rock music, he says, Rock and roll was a dangerous weapon, chrome-plated. It exploded like the speed of light. It reflected the times, especially the presence of the atomic bomb, which had preceded it by several years. Rock and roll was atomic-powered, all zoom and doom. It didn't seem like an extension of anything, but it probably was. Zoom and doom. Zoom and doom. What a great quote. And with that, I think that that's the end. We've got to pick our song. We have to pick our song. So let's talk really quickly about the songs that we had chosen. So we chose, we went into random.org one time uh, a couple of episodes back by mistake. And it's been weighing on my conscience. <laughs> I wanted the listener to know. Such a purist. We have, such a purist. I can't uh, believe such you're a purist. I know. And you are just loving it. So I, <laughs> we picked two classics. Our first one, which we picked with the incorrect number. We picked our what would have been our second album, which was Another Side of Bob Dylan. 1964 is Another Side of Bob Dylan. So another episode, we kind of fell behind for a week. And so we thought we would just kind of cheat um, and we would record something and then we would come back to this. So almost have two weeks for a song. That song was Blind Willie McTell. We are not going to choose either one of those because I don't think that having it for two weeks is part of the podcast. And I also think that when we cheat, we need to be honest about it so I have no opinion
All right, so we are going from one to 658. Are you sure that's the right number? It is. It will not be triple zeros this time. Yeah, this is this podcast is one of integrity. All right, you ready? <laughs> yes. So one of 658. But before we do that. No, you don't. No, please. Before we do that, we have to recommend something to our our lovely oh, fans. Oh, you want to do that for, Oh, my God. I thought you were about to say, like, did you know that Bob Dylan <laughs> yes, came another. with a complimentary album that's also three discs? And we'll be covering that next week. Bye. God damn it. I thought for sure you were about to pull some shit. Ugh. You All right, say, so Kelly, what? <laughs> what would you? So this week we obviously listened to Triplicate a lot. It's so much easier to listen to a record. I mean, I think that that's pretty, pretty obvious. I mean, we went from Planet Waves to Outlaw Blues, which was like the one song that we right. kind of had to sort of fit into weird playlists and stuff like that. It's so much easier to listen to a record. I mean, let's just say that up front. What else did you uh, have this week? What sort of things maybe tied into it? I mean, we talked about like Fallout. Obviously, you've been playing a lot of Skyrim. I've been playing some Fallout too. What else would you recommend for somebody, um, you know, out there in the world listening to this? If you enjoy Triplicate, Blossom Deary is probably my favorite You've person. That a couple times, Blossom. Yeah, Blossom uh, Deary. Deary, yes. With, yeah, with a with a Y or an I E at the end. I E. I E. Yeah. Um, she th- very much the style of music was popular in the fifties and sixties, and just basically anything you can find her greatest hits. She has multiple volumes, Mo- like most recording artists of the time, where they have like six hundred different compilations of the same, roughly you know I would say a hundred songs, but they're just packaged in different little sets. Um, yeah, roll on that blossom berry for sure. Gray clouds are gonna clear up. Put on a happy face. Brush off the clouds and cheer up. Take off the gloomy mask of tragedy It's not your style You look so good That you'll be glad you decided to smile Make out a pleasant outlook Stick out that noble From Blossom Deary to Mastodon (laughs) Which is a perfect mixture Oh man, can you imagine Mastodon's music mixed in? Mm -hmm. Let's get Danger Mouse on here to mix uh, Emperor of Sand with some Blossom Deary. I don't do a lot of films and stuff like that or documentaries. I don't really watch a whole lot of TV, but I did watch um, a fa- an amazing documentary on, from Netflix called Five Came Back that follows five Hollywood directors in the 20s, 30s, 40s uh, as they all went to uh, World War II and filmed documentaries for the War Department and followed their trajectory not only to the war, in the war, but then also coming home from the war. Uh, and these are people like uh, like John Ford, you know, from like Grapes of Wrath, uh, Frank Capra from It's a Wonderful Life, which he did after the war. Fascinating. Uh, I think some of the movies I didn't even realize that I knew. That fits with our time period, too, for this And that sits right. Absolutely. Yeah, you could see that music being played on the Memphis Bell. All right. So we are going to go ahead and officially now pick our song. No tricks here. I don't believe you anymore, No actually. tricks here. All right. One out of 600, uh, 658. Give me all right. From now on, you're gonna guess a number while we do this, and if you get it right, we're gonna do something special. Oh, we'll have to determine what it is. So next week we'll figure out something special to do. That's fun. Yeah, you'll never get it right. That's true. 
but it, that's why it needs to be something spectacular. All right, so pick a number one through um, six fifty-eight. One hundred thirty-two. One hundred thirty-two. The number we're gonna get ninety-three. That's not so far. That's not bad. What'd you say? One thirty-two. Yeah. All right. And again, Kelly is not pouring over this spreadsheet, so she is picking a number out of nowhere. That would have been on a night like this. Hey, I've already heard that song. <laughs> that was on Planet Waves. Heard. All right. Oh, 93. I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Oh, not wiggle, wiggle. Not wiggle, wiggle. Please be wiggle, wiggle. All right. So this is our first foray into the basement tapes. Uh, so this song is called King of France. Number 93 is from the basement tapes. Not the official basement tapes, but from the genuine basement tapes. Or from the Bootleg Series Volume 11, I believe it's on that six-volume Basement Tapes set. So, we're in. Can I ask a question? Please. What what basement? Big Pink. So that's, okay, so that was a house in... It was a house in Woodstock. New Hampshire? Woodstock, New, New York. York. Mm-hmm. And they played lots of songs. They went there, the band... Rented, I don't know about rented, bought, whatever it was, you know, we're in the house. And they, in. Well, they were the first people that ever set up a recording studio in their home. Pretty much you went to a studio, you made an album. At this time, there was not a way to like, to do what the Beatles would do a few years later, which is over, which we talked about a, a while ago, overlapping, you know, songs and stuff like that. Like doing, like when we listen to this, we're like, oh my God, it's amazing that they all played that live. Right. Well, the Basement Tapes is 100% live because there was no way not to do it live. Right. Music was recorded live because you couldn't do overdubs. You couldn't do multiple tracks and multiple layers. That was technology that started to come to the fore. And the Basement Tapes is fascinating. They probably weren't the first people ever to do it, but they're certainly the most famous. And they really pushed that idea that you as a musician could have your own studio recording, if you will. I don't know if that would have existed as quickly as it did if it weren't for the basement tapes. But yeah, they just set up their own thing and they would basically treat it like a job. They would get up in the morning and they would go to work and they would write songs and make music and they wrote hundreds and hundreds of songs. Uh, so anyway, so King of France, uh, number 93, not on a night like this, not Blind Willie McTell and not another side of Bob Dylan. Also not the King of Spain, which is what I thought you meant for a second, which is the tallest man on earth song. It is. For Daniel... <laughs> I'm Daniel for Daniel. No. So I say for Daniel and you say for Kelly. I'm Batman as no, Bob no, Dylan. No, no. For Daniel. For Michael Jordan. For Daniel. <laughs> for Prairie Dogs. For Bob Dylan. For Gotham. of Spanish leather oh, while I'm satin in my crown I'll disappear in some flamenco and perhaps I'll reach the other side why are you stabbing my illusion oh just cause I stole some eagle's wing because you named me 